This is James Montgomery, and this is The Stinger. Change, I'm switching up the name because I thought the other name was too long. And basically, what I mean by it is uh, if you've played football, you know that when you hit somebody really hard, you get this nerve thing that happens where you feel like your arm fell off. Well, that's what this is, except for your ears and your, and your mind when it comes to football. All right, uh, I'm here with my buddy, Justice Adams. Uh, we played football at UNM together. He was a kicker. Oh, that's a that's a great way to start. Okay, so Justice, before before we get going, I want you to list your top five kickers in the NFL right now. Top five? And yeah. I'd rather. Okay. Well, I have a lot of thoughts on top five kickers. I feel like I'd have to say Justin Tucker for sure. Yeah, he's in the top five. Most accurate kicker in NFL history. Yeah. Sings opera on the side. There's a... He sings opera? He is a full-on opera singer. And there's a HBO, like, Bryant Gumble interview that's just about Justin Tucker that is, like, amazing. Yeah. Um, Justin Tucker, for sure. I was a big Gostowski fan when he was yeah. with the Patriots. Yeah. He was one of the most clutch kickers. Um a lot of my kickers, honestly, are gone now. I have to give a shout-out to Jason Sanders, who Used is, to be a Detroit kicker. Well, no. So, Jason Sanders was a University of New Mexico kicker. Oh, okay. Was the starting okay. kicker after I was, was drafted by the Dolphins, and has now had one of the best years of any kicker in the league. Is, is he at it? the Dolphins right He's now? He's at the Dolphins. Oh, has been there for his entirety of his career, which I think is now, like, third season. Yeah. But he was drafted, I think, like sixth round by the Dolphins and has just crushed it. I think he's going to the Pro Bowl this year. Or no, all pro yeah, this year. So he has got to be up there. I've always been a fan of Prater just because he's got a cannon. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of great kickers out there, but they don't get the, you know, we need some respect on the kicker. We need some man. respect on the – but you know what? I will say from a fan who doesn't really know anything about kicking – I can only see about 10 good ones. And then everybody else is kind of like the same, in my opinion. That's because I think you miss one as a kicker and you're like ostracized forever. Yeah. So it's if you don't know a kicker's name, that means they're doing something right. Yeah. And that's the, that's, that's the downside to kickers. Yeah. You're you right. That's a really great way to, to understand kickers. If you don't hear anything about them, that's a good they're thing. They're probably doing a good job. So, so the, the, uh, yeah, so the guys you don't hear about, yeah, that that's a really interesting thing to say. That's but it a lot, is, a it lot is of true. specialists are like that. If you most people don't know a single long snapper's name until they send one right over the head of the punter. Yeah, and then they're all over Sports Center for the first time ever. Yeah, and then the punters too. The punters are the same situation where you know, obviously, who would you, who would you put top five punters? Hecker probably is in the top five. Yeah, well, this year especially, he's had a great year. Um, another. A previous UNM graduate, Corey Bjorkis. Oh, yeah, for uh, Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, he's yeah. having an all – I mean, I think – I don't know if he He's punted it. the least. He I has, did hear that. He's he punted the least. But his yeah. net punt and his average are way up there. Yeah. Um, Colquitt. Colquitt's still good, and he's old. The cool thing about punters is they seem to last a long time in the league when you get a good one. Yeah, Colquitt's um, for Colquitt's the a Chiefs. Stud. Yeah. Um, I really like – I mean – Who's the who's the ex Jets punter that's now the uh, now a 
a TV personality. He's got all these podcasts. Um, the Jets punter? Ex-Jets Jets punter. I, his, his name will come to me, but he's absolutely hilarious. And honestly, a really, really good, like, listen on any – He's a, I even jumped in to, like, do some of the actual, like, play-by-play game calling as well now. Um, his name will come to me, but he's hilarious. I mean, I don't follow the punters as much as I yeah. do the kickers. I really don't. Um, I only but, hear the stats on the game while I'm watching the game. I only hear the stats. Oh, this guy's hit – this percentage inside the 20 or this guy, you know, and I'll try to like keep those logged just in case I run into a conversation like this and I have something. I was a a big, I was a big Marquette King fan. Oh yeah. The dude for the Raiders and the Browns guy. Yeah. Raiders and Browns. I think a bunch of good years. And he was also like one of the first and only African-American punters Yeah, and had a bomb of a leg, but he also just celebrated like crazy, like he was throwing a touchdown pass, which made him fun to watch. Yeah. And I think he really butted heads with John Gruden, and John Gruden caught him, and then no one signed him. So I think he's like going to be um, one of those AFL, XFL type of guys from this point on, probably. He was also really athletic. So it's like you could run a lot of fakes with him. Yep. I mean, yeah. Yeah. If they ran more, but definitely. I remember him. I would always draft him. What Me and my brother do fantasy drafts on Madden, and I would always draft him as my punter. Yeah, he's good. Man. <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyway, just just to uh, let everybody know, I've known Justice for, what, 10, more than that now, like 12 yeah. years. Yeah. Like a good solid 12 years. And we like talking football. He's a Bucks fan. He went to go see a Bucks game last year with the Rams, I right? I did, in, in, at the Coliseum, which yeah. was awesome. And it was like the highest scoring game of the year. So it was fun to watch. I think Tampa won, but it was yeah. like, 52 to 48 it was just like it was a crazy every game three minutes was a touchdown yeah yeah and, and tampa at the time was not very good in the moment so it was kind of a big deal that they sl- like killed the the rams or at least just like and the rams defense is always known for being solid and they were just like hey. yeah that was one of the well everybody knows Jameis winston's season last year with the same amount of picks as touchdowns did they fire wade phillips after that game the week after i believe it was really around that game yeah. when they fired wade phillips and wade phillips for those of you who don't know who wade phillips is he was a head coach for the dallas cowboys uh before garrett and he was he's just a really good defensive mind uh, uh he was with the rams for how long like three four, four years four years yeah, with the rams four years. so he's he's like known around the the league his dad was bum phillips he was a coach for the eagles back in 70s i think so Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's 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 crazy. So so the Bucks are playing this weekend against the Saints. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which which okay. So just to just to keep everybody up to date, the Saints and the Bucks played Week One, and the Saints beat them by ten. Yep. Thirty four twenty four, and so the game wasn't like ugly. But the game really wasn't close. If you were watching the game, it really didn't feel like the, the Bucks. Saints. The Saints dominated the game and were they were in the driver's seat the whole time. Yeah. But everybody kind of gave Tampa the benefit of the doubt. A lot of new players, a lot of new faces. Tom Brady's first game with Tampa. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. The second meeting. And then the, the second meeting was like hyped to heck. And it was like, dang, this is going to be great. They played at night. It was a Sunday night game. And I was stoked. I had like, I was like stoked for this game. It ended up being 38 to three. It was terrible. Yeah, it was over yeah, half. It was, it was, it was over, over the first quarter. Yeah. It was bad. I mean, Tampa 
if I remember correctly, maybe had two first downs in the entire first half. Yeah. I mean, they looked miserable. The The Saints defense just kept everything in front of them, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't pass the ball. Yeah. No check downs. They could do nothing. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was pretty disappointed in that game. So going into this game, it feels, you know, and and the Saints have done this before. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take everybody back to 2017. The the Panthers that year got they were 11 and five. They got swept by the Saints. Sound sound familiar? 11 and five got swept by the Saints. Go to the playoffs, play the Saints, and they lose again. And it was a close game, but. They really never had a chance in the game. Like, like the game was tight in terms of score, but the the game was, you know. And to go back even a little bit further, the last four years, the Saints are 19-5 and five in the NFC South. Right. And I know you don't like Sean Payton, or you think he's overrated. I do. And I Raymer do. thinks he's overrated. Our buddy Raymer, he thinks he's overrated. I think he's overrated. I don't – I just – he has a Super Bowl, so you have to give some respect to that. I think that Drew Brees – is a lot of Sean Payton's success, which doesn't shouldn't take anything away from. Yeah, that's a conversation like Brady and Belichick or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But he hasn't really done a ton in the postseason. Yeah, they win a lot in the NFC South, and historically, the NFC South, with the exception of New Orleans, isn't like a super deep. Yeah, division. division. It really well, isn't. Every now and then, you have a Falcons team that's great or whatever, yeah. but for the most part. It's kind of been like a lower a lower uh, ceiling division. Certainly. So yeah. I think that that doesn't necessarily mean that Sean Payton is great. I don't think that he's a bad coach. He's still definitely in the top 10. Yeah. But I don't think he should get as much respect as some of the other guys out there. Yeah. I think that Drew Brees should. Yeah. And does. Yeah. But so before you even dig into the game, I need your, your prediction of – Score and winner. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 38-31. I'm gonna go 38-31, and I'm gonna say the Saints win. 38-31, because I think the the D line of the Bucks is gonna be able to limit Kamara from running for six touchdowns. <laughs> and, I think that a high school team could limit Kamara to six touchdowns. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so I, I think the Bucks D front seven is really good, which is gonna force them to be one mostly one dimensional. But I still think they're gonna be able to expose the secondary. Their and, secondary yeah. is by far so the Tampa's defense is what, sixth, roughly? Mm-hmm. With a really good rush defense, yeah, they would have been a hell of a lot better had they not lost Vita Vea in like the fourth game of the year, who was their best D lineman. Yeah, but even then, they've been great. Their secondary over the course of the last like eight weeks has been bad, like really bad. I think they are getting Sean Murphy's bunting back uh-huh. for this game, like in full health, which is yeah. good. And Devin White will be back. So I hope that they will be a little better, but they have to deal with, I mean, they have to deal with Taysom Hill. They have to deal with Michael Thomas. And even if they can stop Kamara's running attack, he is such a threat out of the backfield on, you know, anything 
just on the outside perimeter that it's going to be a concern. They are, they do. Tampa does have a very fast defense though. That's what they're like known for. Yeah. Well, their linebackers are, dude, I was looking up how much their linebackers make. They make, uh, they're for sure the highest paid in the league in terms of how much money they put towards the linebackers. It's not even close, but it's like, uh, I, I forgot the percentage. It's like 19% of their cap is for their linebackers. Wow. That's crazy. But they're good. Well, they so probably like, have the best. I would say they have the best linebacker tandem in the league. Is oh yeah. Better- no, I, I, I mean, you could argue uh, Wagner and Wright. You could argue that, but I wouldn't say they're better. Would never say they're better. And then you could also say, um, who, I, I like the uh, Warner guy from the yep. Niners, and uh, I guess I guess there isn't a counterpart to him over there. Um, who else do I like? I've thought about this. That's why I was. Yeah, I, I mean, there's some good ones. I think that yeah. they're up there. Yeah, I don't. I think it's going to come down to how well Tampa has to stop the big plays, and their secondary is going to be the deciding factor. Yeah, and whether they can hold. Like Drew Brees is gonna score points. Yeah. Any 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 season, whether their offense is like good or bad, they're gonna score. Yeah. And then it's a question of can they contain Tom Brady like they did the last time they met? If the Bucs can score 40, the Bucs can 40 win. 40 points. Yeah. I mean Because I think we're in agreement that the Saints are gonna put up a lot of points no matter what. Like the Saints it's just, will put up at least 28 points, I think. Yeah. Like that's like their floor and their ceiling's like 52 probably yeah right they can score a lot and but their defense doesn't get as much credit i don't think because it doesn't have drew Brees. but at the same time that's a top five defense yeah arguably the best defense left in the postseason yeah between them and the rams rams defense is good well well yeah i guess we'll find out but their defense is very very good but i think tampa's got more weapons than as far as weapons go i think it's tampa and kansas city is having the most offensive weapons yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, but Buffalo with John Brown being back, pretty good. Yeah. Well. Okay. So you have yeah. John Brown. You have, uh, and then you have um, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, and then Beasley. Yeah, Beasley's coming on. And then Josh Allen's. I mean, Josh Allen is their. I, he's a. He's their running threat. He is their running threat. He's not. And, and that's my only concern with. I don't want to digress any oh, a whole lot, but that's my only concern with Buffalo is that they can't run. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and. and that's a problem. Like it is a problem. Like I, I hate to say it. Like Baltimore is going to run all over you, and all you. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to uh, make sure that you score every single possession you have it because you're not going to get very many. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think. Well, do you want to touch yeah. on anything else? Well, on we'll, we'll, we'll go back. Game? Yeah, yeah, we'll go back. What do you think is going to happen, Saints, Bucks? Because you're a Bucks fan. You're probably okay. going to say the Bucks are going to win. I have to say the Bucks are going to yeah. win, whether it kind of feels wrong to say it or not. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think Yeah. 35-28 is my hope. Yeah. You and feel I like they can win if they hold them to, like, under 30, right? If they hold the Saints to under 30, they'll win. Yeah. I agree. I do agree with that statement. They will lose, I think, but we'll see what happens. I I think that they have to keep Drew Brees at bay from hitting big plays, and the Tampa offense has to make big plays. They have have a lot of players back. They have one of their offensive linemen back. Um, Ali Marpet is back this week. He was out last week. 
Yeah. I think that's going to help. Fournette looked great. He looks good. Fresh legs. Ronald Jones, I don't know if he's going to play. I don't think that matters. I think Fournette's going to be really good. And, heck, if they win this game, they could. Oh, well, it's hard to say because the Packers are cold in a cold place. They smacked the Packers this year. But not Badly. Not, not in, in Lambeau. Yeah, yeah. And and the Titans, I thought the Titans were going to roll into Green Bay at week 16, week 16 and just kill them. I didn't even think the game was going to be close. I thought the Titans were just going to mop the floor with them. And the Titans got caught up and it got cold and they quit. Yeah. And well, so I, I think that does have a factor. I think that is a factor. You think so? Other <laughs> The whole team aside, I guess, Yeah. obviously you would say – Aaron Rodgers is the best cold weather quarterback. I would have to say Tom Brady's a close second. Yeah. So, so if you were going to have one quarterback going into Lambeau, you want you to would, be Tom Brady. I, okay. I, I'm not saying that you can't play in Lambeau. I'm saying if it gets bad early, you might, uh, it's, it kind of, it kind of like makes your, you know, everything kind of, and it's cold and you're just like, ugh, you know, yeah, it's it's different when you're in a game. If you're if you're, if it's competitive early, I think you have a chance. But if they jump on you, fourteen nothing, twenty one nothing, twenty one three, something like that, I think it's over. I don't even think. So who did Green Bay play in that snow game recently? Was that the Titans? It wasn't a snow game. It was just cold. Who well, maybe the, it was a snow you, game. the The most recent game at Lambeau, their last game of the year, was a snow game. Was it Chicago? Well, they played Chicago in Chicago. It wasn't Chicago. It, it was, was. It was it in was, Chicago. It was a whatever it was. It was a snow game. And I remember thinking to myself, they're going to have to like Green Bay is going to have to run the ball. They're not going to be able to throw the ball. I was looking at yeah. fantasy, saying, "I'm so glad I don't have a Packers wide receiver." And then their passing attack was out of this world, like in the snow. In the snow, and yeah. it wasn't just like snow on the ground. It was like snowing the entire game. And there was it, it. Aaron Rodgers looked like it was a seventy-five degree day. Yeah. Just so they're great in the yeah. snow, but I guess that's a if Tampa has to worry about the Green Bay, that's a good problem to yeah. have. Yeah, because I could honestly, honestly, like I could see the, the the thing that worries me is all the teams left in the NFC are all warm weather teams. Yep. So it's like Green Bay to me has the best chance to go to the Super Bowl. Like it's it's a pretty significant chance. Better than everybody but if you stay in the game with them early and it's and it's close you have a chance you do you definitely yeah because I, I, I think that their defense down the stretch is going to be a problem and i think comparing their defense to some of the remaining defenses in the playoffs yeah they're nowhere near the defense of new orleans I think Tampa's defense is significantly better. And the Rams' whole, defense is definitely And the Rams' better. defense is the number one defense in the league. So yeah. I think defensively they don't compare, but on the other side of the ball you have Aaron Rodgers. Well, that's yeah. the great equalizer. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I don't I don't want like I don't I'm not high on Green Bay. Like I'm not. Like I don't like Green Bay, could care less about them. I've been a Detroit fan and Green Bay just, you know. I, you know, I, I've become less biased because Detroit had Matt Patricia and I was just kind of like, yeah. So maybe just get real indifferent towards Detroit, but I'm not high on green Bay. I just think like, if you look at it from a very unjaded perspective, they have the best opportunity to get to the Super Bowl, And it's more because of where the teams are located that they're, pl- that they have to play to get there. You know, they, so, everybody has to come to them. Yeah. 
everybody, you know, and and going going to that game, Green Bay, the Rams, like yeah. the Rams do they, Ramsey can take Devonte out of the game, in my opinion. Jalen Ramsey is, yeah, if he, there was anyone that could, yeah. it would be him. And my buddy said, well, I don't think he's going to have a bad game. I don't think it's going to be a great game, but I don't think it's going to be a bad game. He thinks it'll be like eight catches, 90 yards type game. That's a that's a bad game well, for Devontae Adams? That, that's well, like a career game. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think – that's what he said. He said He'll he, go for over 100 yards. You think he'll have 100 yards? Easily. Okay. I think that's his floor because that's the, the focal point of their offense. And I think Aaron Rodgers – with that great defensive front that the Rams have, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is a wizard at making plays out of broken things and yeah. finding well, open receivers. Well, I will say, if Devontae does go for 100, I don't think the Rams win the game. I think you're probably right. I, and I would I, also say the biggest, the biggest question mark in that game is going to be Jared Goff. Yeah. Because... They're starting Wofford, from what I understand. So I heard it today. I'm I know sure Jared Goff is healthy, like he's been cleared yeah. by their docs for his hand surgery or whatever. What was that thumb? Thumb. Yeah. So he's cleared to play, but they like Wofford more than Goff right now. I I don't think McVeigh likes Goff. I think Goff has played terrible this whole year. Yeah. So I don't blame McVeigh for that. Yeah. I I I. Uh... I'm not – I don't like to watch the Rams because they're really boring, but they're super solid football team, and it's hard to ignore that they're – that like, they're pretty good. They're the, Rams really are pretty, good. the Rams are pretty good, and I'm not um, – the last week's game when I was watching them play Seattle, I never felt like Seattle could win that game. Like, no, I, I'm, I was watching that game, and I was like, Seattle doesn't have a chance in this game. The, the score was, you know, within margin. Tight, yeah. And I never felt like Seattle could do anything. And I was like, the Rams are going to win this game. And it's not because Seattle's bad. It's just because the Rams are just – that's just how the Rams are. The Rams just dominate you. And when they get on you, it's, they're going to dominate you. That's it. So it's hard to move the ball against that front four. Yeah. And they're, they do have some weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Like Robert Woods, I feel like, is – disrespected a lot in the league. Yeah. I think he is a great wide receiver. And then, obviously, Cooper Cup is a stud. Yeah. So they have guys to throw it to. They certainly have more weapons than Green Bay does. Yeah. They're more multidimensional. Yeah. I don't think that either Rams quarterbacks, whichever one ends up playing, is as mobile outside the pocket and can make things happen as much as Aaron Rodgers can. Yeah. But if they can – if their quarterback play is bad – Green Bay will run away with it. I mean, most yeah. people didn't give Green uh, give the Rams a chance against Seattle. Yeah, though either. So it's like hard to yeah make an upset. So the, the Rams could walk in there and just shut down the the Packers offense, and then they're screwed. The Packers would be screwed if the Rams went in there and started knocking Aaron Rodgers down and just screwing up the whole offense. That could happen, and it definitely could. The Rams could. It'll look like the Seattle game. Where it's not, even though the score is close, it's not close. Like the Rams have the game in control the whole time. So, so who? So what's your prediction? Who wins? Who wins that game? I, if if I had to bet, if there was like money involved and a significant amount of money, if I had to just like make a choice, right, on what what needed, what was going to happen, I would say the Packers win by 30, 34 to twenty. 
Okay, so if, two if, scores at least. Two scores, they win. And yeah. I, if I had to, if I had to predict, and I, but like I said, the way the Rams play, they could literally just make the game really ugly and just keep it. Like, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Yeah, I think it's going to be like I think I still think the Packers will win by maybe a touchdown and a field goal. So mm-hmm. I'll I'll say maybe you know 20, 24. 14. 24 14, 24 10. Yeah. Type of score. Yeah. Because I, I don't think that the Rams are going to be able to move the ball that much. I hope that they do because I yeah. love it to be close, but. Yeah. No, I, I, I like watching close football games too. Yeah. I really, and I like watching competitive football games, especially like, in the postseason because that's what you want out of it. Yeah. Like Seattle Rams last week was one of the most boring football games I've ever seen. <laughs> I was so bored. And I'm never bored from football. Like I'll get excited about how teams react when they're when they're down by twenty one points. I want to see if they keep fighting or not. Like I like watching stuff like that. Now, that game was like, ugh. Yeah, I didn't want to watch that game. That's like, what I felt about that Bears. Oh, the Bears Saints game? game. No, that game was interesting because the Bears kept it close in the first half. What wasn't it like? It was seven it? to three at half. Right, but it finished. It finished twenty one nine. Oh, 21-9. It, it, it looked, you know, obviously the Saints were – It was were, just slow. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Saints, the Saints kind of took off, and the Saints were way better than them. So it's like – like second half was a little eh. But the first half was interesting as heck. Like I was like so interested. I was like, dang, this is interesting. Yeah, yeah. And they all – like the Bears would have had the lead if the dude didn't drop the touchdown pass on the trick play. Yeah. So I'm like, this game is interesting. And it and it and and I'm like, the, the Bears defense did everything they could – to keep the Saints in, you know, to keep them the offense in the game is just, and and this is my, I have a really strong opinion about this. Coaches need to make quarterback switches more often, especially when you don't have a stud in in, in game. game. Ooh, they need to make more that's switches. An interesting point. When you see switches made, stuff happens every time. I feel like, but, but, but they always do it when it's like last last gasp. It's like when things lull. When you go into a lull and you feel it, make a switch right now. Just make a switch. So that might – I mean, that's very – When you don't have a interesting stud. Interesting point. When you I, don't have a stud. Right, because yeah. you assume with a guy like Drew Brees that has a slow first half, let's say, you're like, it's oh, Drew Brees. He's yeah. going to be fine in the second half. Yeah, Mahomes, any of right. those guys, uh, Roger, you know, you're going to leave him in the game. But so if you, you have someone like Trubisky. Yeah. Like, I come guess, on. I get that. So I think that's one of the bigger differences between college and the NFL, right? Yeah. Is, it seems like college college coaches do not have as big of a problem with saying this guy's not cutting it. Yeah. Let's let's throw in QB two. That happens fairly often in college games. Well, well, and this is my other argument: coaches in the NFL are not required to manage their players' like quote unquote personal lives. They're right. already professionals, so you get guys like Cliff Kingsbury who do a little bit better in the pros. Because they're not as structured and they don't need to be. When you go to the college, you have to be like a dad. Yep. You, you have, have babysit to babysit them on the weekend. And, and that's to... and I think the coaches in college do have that like mindset where it's just like you're not cutting it. I'm gonna put the put this kid in because he's gonna you know, you're 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 not getting the job yeah. done. In the NFL, it's more like you're not you know, they're they're a little I don't wanna call it lax, but they're just a little bit more like giving. Because there's a yeah. lot of money involved. Well, someone's like, like maybe they're a little more confident in their first string quarterback. 
Yeah. That would be the other side yeah. of it, right? It's not necessarily that they're lax. Maybe they're just really confident. But but you got a guy like Trubisky who's been like skeptical all all year, and you're skeptical of him as a head coach. You got it. I feel like you could have just put the other guy in and give yourself a better chance. I but mean, co- don't be wrong. They weren't going to win that game. Oh, no. They could have no. had – it didn't matter who their quarterback was. They were going to lose that game. They were just a, not even anywhere near the same playing field as the same. No, no. But I, I just feel like that brought up a really interesting talking point is like coaches should make a switch. The Washington football team the week Ooh. before made the switch yeah. to to the to the kid that did really good at the at the playoff. I don't game. know how to pronounce his name. Heineke. 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 Nobody has film on him. Nobody's seen him. Nobody's prepared for him. It's gonna throw the defense off for at least a quarter. He played great. At least a quarter, if not the rest of the game, it's gonna throw him off. I mean, he threw for what three hundred and seventy yards. I mean, he looked he, good. He's gonna be a backup for the rest of. He's gonna be a backup for the rest of his life. At least minimum. Minimum. <laughs> if he has two lives, he's coming back as a backup. Well, well he's – okay, so, like, that performance on a playoff game, the way he performed, every team – if he gets dropped, someone's going to pick him up and yeah, yeah. at least have him on their roster. So do you think that he has a chance to play into a starting role somewhere? Well, yeah, I think he'll have a chance. I don't think he will. Okay. He's, he'll be like a whole, Minshew. So you think that was a fluke kind of – he couldn't string along multiple performances. No, like that. no, I, I, I think he's like, season? yeah, I think he's like a Minshew. Okay, like, like, like he'll have success, and he might even have, he might like Minshew was six and six. He had some great games. Minshew was six and six in his first twelve starts or something. So that wouldn't surprise me. But to see him in a, in a long-term career as a starter, no. I mean, I love Gardner Minshew. Honestly, I was thinking about growing out my mustache just because of Minshew. Just because of Minshew. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I think he's he'll be a lot like Minshew in my opinion. If like at best, like that's his that's his ceiling in my opinion. Well, I think but. that there's a lot of opportunity for a guy like that to do well even as a backup, just because in today's NFL, so many first string quarterbacks go down with injury. I mean, this year alone, yeah, that a guy like that can come in, and I think people the NFL is starting to realize that if you don't have a solid backup and play yeah you're, you're not secure at all i mean you're screwed because i yeah. mean look at the dallas cowboys right or the cardinals that that game that they needed to win when uh when murray goes out yep they fall apart they did they didn't right. score another they didn't i mean they scored a touchdown because they were inside the 20 or the or the the defense got a turnover or something and they put them inside the 20 and then they scored but that was it. That was that was their only touchdown because yeah. it set up the offense. But so they're going to start paying backup quarterbacks, I think, a little bit more, and they should because, yeah. especially with the whole COVID thing looming for maybe another season. Yeah, you never know who's out on the COVID list for two weeks and misses two games. And the NFL, you can't afford to drop two games. Yeah, and and he he sealed himself a backup job career for sure. No, for sure. Yeah. At, at a minimum. At a minimum. And and he was not anything. He was nothing. Right, got the opportunity and took the no absolute most name. of it. Yeah, I still don't know how to pronounce it. Heineke, like a Heineken. <laughs> Heine. I'm just gonna call him Heine. <laughs> no, I, I I was like super intrigued by that game too. That game that game was that interesting game, too. Yeah, that was a fun game. It was tighter than I wanted it to be as a Tampa yeah. fan. I'm like, we're playing a. I think Washington is a better team than maybe their record says, but and I'm a big Ron Rivera fan, but they're they. I mean, they looked great, and that game was. Not a runaway by any means. I think yeah. Tampa was in the driver's seat for most of it. Yeah, but it was tighter than I think it looked like. So 
Yeah. We'll see. So what do you think about the AFC side then? AFC. I actually like Baltimore to go and beat Buffalo, which is kind of a crazy thing to say. But Baltimore has a ton of confidence right now, and Buffalo's a little high on their horse. And they barely slipped away against the Colts. And the Col- The thing about the Colts, the thing that you watched in that game is the Colts ran the ball super well in the second half. Yep. And the Colts O-line obviously is the best. Maybe – who are you going to argue about? The, the Browns. The Browns might have a better O-line. The Packers are rated second. The Colts are top three. Like, the Colts are third. You know, they got all those studs on the O-line. So, I'm a little concerned about Buffalo. And I've always been a Buffalo guy. Yeah, I know. I like you, hey, well, you love Josh Allen. Yeah. No, no, no. Not Josh Allen. I like Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott. Okay. Yeah. See, I like, I like both. I'm not as high on – Josh Allen, as I think other people are, but I think that's the game that's going to be the most interesting of all this weekend's games, just because that's going to be a tight game. I'm curious to see how Lamar Jackson responds in this kind of setting. Yeah. And I think that Josh Allen's also going to have to rise to the occasion. I love the two dimensionality of both of those quarterbacks a lot. And they're such different styles. Yeah. I think that Josh Allen's certainly a better passer, but the fact that Josh Allen is as big as he is and can still run full head of steam downhill like he can, yeah. it just makes it a very fun thing for both defenses to have to manage these crazy runners. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I had to pick one to run up against, it's kind of a weird thing to ask because, like, yeah, Lamar Jackson is so elusive and so fast. Yeah. But – if Josh Allen is running full steam ahead of me and I'm a safety, yeah. I'm kind of shaking in my boots a little bit because that's a big dude running downhill. Yeah. He might not be quick side to side, but he'll run you over. Yeah. No, he's huge. He's huge. He's like and a Cam Newton. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it out for you like this, though. Okay. The matchup between Kansas City in the conference title and Baltimore does not fascinate me at all. So I would really not like to see that. Why? Because Kansas City has Baltimore's number. Okay, so you think that that's a they're shooing to the Super Bowl if that if, if Baltimore yeah, wins. Yeah, week. exactly. I think Kansas City is shooing now. Kansas City could have trouble with Cleveland. Now, the only way I feel like Cleveland has a chance, and I told this to Raymer on the on the text, the only way I feel like Cleveland has a chance is if Kansas City shows up napping. If they show up napping and they jump on them. They still don't have a chance to win the game because we've seen Kansas City come back from massive deficits. So I'm not saying that they're going to win the game that way, but they have a chance to win the game that way. Well, that's basically what happened against the Steelers for Cleveland, right? Yeah. Pittsburgh was asleep at the wheel for the first three possessions. Yeah. And Cleveland capitalized on all of it. Yeah. So I think if something similar like that happens, they have a chance to win. And Pittsburgh still kind of – Explosive, relatively back explosive. in yeah. that game, though, to yeah. make it competitive. They still had a chance to win that game. There was all these terrible you, calls late. If they would have made these better calls, I think they would have. I think the game would have. It would have gotten real interesting. It was. I mean, I, everybody was surprised for sure. I don't know if I believe in the whole like Cleveland as a real Super Bowl contender. Yeah, and they had a great year. They have. They're peaking at the right time. Yeah. They have weapons. Their O-line's good. Running back's good. They have good. more weapons Receivers good. than they need to do with, uh, yeah. than they know what to do with. Their defense – we'll talk about the defenses between Kansas City and Cleveland then because both are high-powered offenses. 
Yeah. But Kansas City's defense has always been their problem child. Yeah, but not this year. Their defense is actually in the last uh, was it six games when Baltimore when uh, Kansas City's offense has been like basically suspect like suspect however you want to put it. Their defense has been holding up their end and keeping the scores down to where they don't have to score a lot. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, they had that Denver game at night, and they their defense forced a couple turnovers and kept the score down. So the, their defense has been playing pretty well. I, I don't have numbers. I wish I had numbers for you, but I don't don't have actual numbers. But I don't think their defense is their problem. The offense lately has been the problem, but it's not going to be their problem if they want it. If they don't want it to be their problem, like right. And Andy Reid knows how to get. I don't think there's a better guy at the helm for. Yeah. For Cleveland, and don't get me wrong, I mean, the other side would be that Cleveland is coached a lot better than most people think, and yeah. certainly better than they have been in decades. But yeah. that's still a mismatch as far as coaching coaching yeah. minds going up against one another. Andy Reid's going to have Cleveland's well, number, and well, now it's not a surprise. Well, and let's be honest, the Steelers went into that game with the mindset that these are just the Browns. And so it was more of like a cockiness and like an arrogance, and they they got humbled. Well, and was, well, they've been humbled for the last four weeks because they've been getting their ass well, beat. Well, left but it and was right, the right? Browns specifically. Like that's a that's a team that they have ran through for right. years, like twenty years, not even like twenty years. They've dominated them. Uh, Roethlisberger has lost to them two times now, three in his career. That's it, that's, that's insane. insane. Yeah. So it's like they have dominated them. So they were going. And Tomlin himself is going into that game arrogant. Like whether you whether you want to believe it or not, I I actually believe Tomlin went into that game way overconfident, way arrogant, and it just it just bit him. Yeah, I think that Big Ben is way way past his prime. Yeah. And the guy looks how he even throws the ball accurately kind of blows my mind because you look at him and. He's got like the weirdest body shape. He's, you know, he's like a little Mr. Potato Head on stilts kind of. Yeah. He can't move anymore. He looks like he should be a professional like cornhole player. I mean, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> but he still that's a good way But he still it. makes some throws. Yeah. But I just think he's overrated now and I think that Tomlin got that team to be playing at a high level and kept them competitive. Uh but they weren't Red, they would have gotten beat this week had they gone through by oh, anybody yeah. in the AFC. Oh, so yeah. I think I'm happy that Cleveland got through just because I I don't know if they're fun to watch. Yeah, and, and and they're gonna have a chance. I I think again I think if you catch the the Chiefs sleeping, you have a chance. If they if the Chiefs show up, which they can at any moment, and that's the thing Colton was talking about. That was the other thing he was talking about. He was talking about how. Kansas City, if they need to score 50 points, they're going to score 50. If they only need to score 17, that's all they're going to score. Yeah. You know, it's like whatever they got to do, they're going to do it. They can and, flip a switch. And and that's the way I feel about Kansas City, and that's why I don't think the Browns are going to win. I, I I I just I feel about Kansas City the way I feel about somebody who's like they the whole season they were just breezing through everybody. It's hard to stay like mentally focused all the time when you know you're just better than everybody. Yeah. So I think they're just going to turn it on. I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. So what's the score of the Cleveland-Kansas City? Uh, 38-20. So pretty sad. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that close. Like like if I had to guess. Yeah. Uh, but 
if, like I said, if Kansas City shows up sleeping, I think it could be close, and I think the Browns could win. But that's the only way. <laughs> I think it's going to be like a 35-28 type of game. I think it's going to be closer than people think, but I think that Kansas City, even though that's close on paper, I think Kansas City will be in the driver's seat the whole time. Yeah. I think Baker might have, like, a chance now, on the last drive to, like, put together some magic, but I don't think they will. Now, here is another thing. So a couple years ago, I always – gosh, I always do this. So a couple years ago, <laughs> the – the Kansas City Chiefs have been held under 20 twice now. Now, the, the second time was against the Falcons this year. So before before they, they played the Falcons week 15, before this year, they've been held under 21 time since Patrick Mahomes has been the quarterback. And it was week five last season. They were playing the Colts, and they were 4-0. And the Colts ran the ball 55 times and beat them 19-13, held them to 13 points. So I do think the Browns have the the makeup to play a game like that. Well, the Browns definitely have the best running attack left yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. And I just think the Cleveland Browns defense isn't good. So No, it's not good. So I don't I don't think that they're not I don't think they're gonna be able to keep the score down. That's right. all I'm saying. But behind the, yeah. you're saying but behind that O line. Behind the O line, I think with with a guy like Nick Chubb. Yeah. They're going to be able to run the ball, and if they stick to the run, they don't abandon the run. They could limit the possessions and give keep it Mahomes off the field. Keep it under thirty. If maybe they keep, maybe. If they keep the Chiefs, I think, under you know twenty eight points. They have a real chance because they have such big weapons. Cleveland does on the offensive side. Yeah, so I mean, there is a there is a chance. I just feel like Kansas City is going to score the amount of points they need to score yeah. to win. I mean, I'm much more interested in that Bills Ravens game. Yeah. As being a fun game to watch as a fan than I am. But I would rather see the Chiefs play the Bills, right? I would rather see that in the conference title than I would rather see the Chiefs play the Ravens. And yeah. I but I do think the Ravens are gonna beat the Bills. I actually do. But I don't want to see them play the Chiefs again. I really don't. Like I have no interest. The Browns Ravens would be a fun game to watch. That would be a really fun game to watch. Because and I would like it because you got two almost Cinderella stories playing, right? Two teams that are being counted out a little bit. Yeah. And Baker and Lamar would be fun. Yeah, it would be fun. That would be fun to watch. It would be fun to watch. And they the game they played earlier in the year, the last one, was like the one of the most entertaining games I've seen in a long time. I don't know if you remember. It was a Monday night game. It was like 45 to 42, the Ravens Yeah, that's win. what I want to see. Yeah, I mean, I also like those low-scoring games that are like defensive struggles and no yeah. offense can move the ball just because yeah. I think most most football fans hate that game. Yeah, I love games but like it's that. Fun, you know, those deep trenches games where it's just like O-line against D-line and that's all that matters because yeah. the quarterbacks can't get anything done. Yeah. Those are just like raw football games. My, my favorite game of the year, though, was the Patriots and the Ravens. This year? This year. is 23-17, Patriots win, and it was a game like that. Did Cam play in that game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they ran the ball, and both teams were just running the ball. And it was just like – it was one of those games where it was just the defense just pounding the rock. It was raining. And it was like – I like watching games like that, but I wouldn't mind seeing a shootout with the Ravens and the Browns again. Or yeah. And it, it, could, it could be a defensive struggle too, but – I don't. There's there's gonna be some points scored. Yeah, the Browns. There'll be over defense. fifty points scored collectively for sure. Yeah, the the Browns defense is uh is the problem. I don't think 
Like they have a decent pass rush, but I just don't think it's good enough to subdue somebody. You do you, know? Do you think that it's realistic to make a like a lot of people I think are making a big deal that the Browns head coach is like back on the sidelines for this this game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I guess my argument is, well, look what he did from his basement last week. Does that actually matter? Having, it doesn't matter. Does it actually matter having that guy on the sidelines? Who, does, like to me, who cares? It doesn't matter. The only the only thing I would say is if the game was a little bit in in a a lot of situations because there wasn't a ton of situations. Let's be honest. Like you're talking like fourth and shorts where they yeah, gotta make a decision. And they gotta make decisions. There wasn't a lot of that going on that game. Not so they lot. got very fortunate that there wasn't a ton of like really intense head coaching decisions that right. needed to be made because they were just so far ahead. Not a lot of – All like, you got to do is play prevent defense. No clock management yeah. issues, nothing about – Yeah, so I, I do think because of that, they the head coach is necessary. But if if that none of that's happening, which right. is like 75% of the time, then you're okay. You know? Well, I just think regardless of who is on the other side of the ball – the Chiefs are in a pretty good spot with a guy like Andy Reid. Yeah. So he, he's going to outcoach whoever he's facing pretty much anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, think, and he's innovative. See, the thing about Andy Reid is he's innovative and he grows with the times. Like, you see some coaches and they're just kind of stuck in the in whatever they're doing. John Fox was a guy like this. Just could not adapt. And I see Stefanski as kind of like cutting edge. He's more like, in my opinion, Stefanski's like a cutting edge like young head coach. Different from like – like McVay was like this. McVay's still kind of like this. The the only thing I see in McVay though is he's he's very good at adapting to his team, but he's he kind of I feel like he's kind of hit a wall. I, I I mean I could be wrong. If they make it a Super Bowl this year, he I'm seems definitely wrong. To be plateauing a little he bit. Seems to be plateauing a little bit. But, but I also think part of that plateau is not real. It's almost like when he came into the league, it was a big deal. Youngest head coach. He was yeah. 30, 31. He had this crazy mind where he could remember plays from 25 years ago. Yeah. And now it's lost a little bit of its it, – that new car smell's gone. Yeah. So he's still that guy, I think. I just think it's not new and fresh anymore, so no one yeah. cares as much. Yeah. But I think he adapts. I mean, I think he's – well, he's a, he adapts to his teams very well. Well, you have right, I like think, like like he he's like I got a really good defense. I'm gonna play a very conservative offense, and I'm gonna run it. I'm gonna play the short passing game. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he knows how to play to his quarterback. For yeah, sure, for sure. Yeah, it, it, so I'm not like like Stefanski. In my opinion, is like literally the the peak of like. Like if you took all the young coaches or all the cutting edge, like whatever young, however you want to look at it, he's like the best one of the group. So in the teams left in the playoffs, yeah, who's the least adapted coach left? Mm. So you got Lafleur, Sean Payton, Sean Payton. Ah, no, he's, he adapts. I would say BA. Oh man, he I would be my that. guy. He would be the guy I pick as the least adaptive out of all of them. Because do you think he's least adaptive, or do you think that Tom Brady is such a traditional style quarterback that he's playing to Tom Brady's strength? I think it's a both. I think he did adapt, which was different. I didn't think that was going to happen, by the way. I didn't think things were going to change at all. I thought B.A. was going to get really stuck in, in getting the ball deep downfield and not doing check downs and not letting Tom Brady just basically run the offense. He should just let Tom. He should have just let Tom Brady run the offense from the get-go. Not even like try to micromanage him. 
just like, hey, listen, like you've been around the game a long time. Like I'm just going to let you take the offense. Well, I was looking at a stat earlier this week that was talking about basically the, everybody's hyped up about the matchup between Tom Brady and, and Drew Brees, obviously, yeah. third time this year. Yeah. But one of the stats that I saw was that Drew Brees' average like downfield pass or average like passing distance is only like six yards. Yeah. And Tom Brady's is actually one of the longest in the league. It's like 10 yards. Yeah. Which kind of surprised me when you think about a guy like Drew Brees historically yeah. and with a weapon like Michael Thomas. Yeah. So that's a big difference, and it kind of surprised me. I guess it kind of plays into this thought of playing into your quarterback's strengths and having a head coach that – Yeah, and I and I don't knock uh, – because there's a lot of like talk up front where he was basically calling out Tom Brady. I actually think Tom Brady needed that, and he told – he told Bruce Arians that from the get-go. He's like, I need you to call me out in public so it gets me to like get, you know, to to change to change, get better. So I actually think like a lot of the issues up front that were perceived as issues were more like planned. Like they already kind of talked about it. I mean, I definitely firstly I think that a lot of the speculation and the media buzz that goes into like a player calling out a coach, a coach calling out a player. I think a lot of that is probably not even close to what's really happening in a locker room. Yeah. I think a lot of that is really blown out. Yeah. I do think it happens every now and then. Yeah. But I always wonder how real that is. I think Bruce Arians has a mentality or a persona about him that people know that he does not hold back punches with his players. Yeah. He'll call it like it is, whether that's publicly or to them one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Well, and I think the better coaches do. I think the better coaches don't have like a hierarchy in their locker rooms where players have more clout than the other. So you know? you're a coach's guy. Who's yeah. the best coach left Oof. in the playoffs? Well, Andy Reid. Okay. Let's take Andy Reid out. Okay, I, Andy I agree Reed's, there. Yeah. But then you have some really high caliber coaches. Yeah, I, I would put Sean McDermott next. Because wow, um, well, he's got a playoff win now, um, which he didn't have but prior. But Josh Allen, from when he started in the league, erratic, like fifty percent pass completion, like just like nobody thought Josh Allen was gonna. He came from Wyoming. Nobody thought anything of him. He gets over time. He's just really progressed, and now he's like. Top three quarterback. I, I think it's hard to argue that he's not third. It's hard to argue that he's not third, you know, behind Mahomes and Rodgers. You can argue it, but it's hard too. Like you have to like come up with a bunch of stats and stuff to tell me that he's not third. Yeah. You know, like I'm like, okay, well, who has better pass completion? Who has better uh, – uh, uh, I would well, I'd be curious to look at his, his turnover, turnover ratio – Against the Blitz, he's like some ridiculous – he's like 95% pass completion. His All of his different situationals are like blow everybody off the charts except for the those two guys, you know. So you're going to have – so you have Andy Reid, you have Sean McDermott. Yeah. Number three would be I, – I, I think I got to put Stefanski number three. I think I have to. Over – Okay, over, no, no, McVay. McVay's okay. – actually, I would – Okay, let, let me take it back. I would put McVay second <laughs> just because of his track record. Right, okay. Not because I actually think he's better in the moment, but because of everything he's done his already. His accolades so far. His accolades, 
So let me go back. Sean McVay second, McDermott's third. Uh, fourth would be Stefanski. Oh, wait. But then you have Sean Payton. Sean a lot of Payton. people would be mad at you for having Sean Payton. Ah, I would put Sean Payton third. I can't even put Sean Payton third. I have to put Sean Payton second. So basically, according to my list, I would have Sean Payton second. I would have McVeigh third, McDermott fourth. That would be my list. Then Stefanski. Then oh no no, Lafleur would have to be next. So basically, you're telling me that Lafleur's fifth. That Bruce Arians is your last place guy. Bruce Arians for sure is last on the list. Like it's not even close because Bruce Arians is one and two in the playoffs. He doesn't. He just doesn't have a lot. Yeah. There's really not a lot. This is. He didn't have a good season last year. I'm not knocking him because homeboy threw 30 picks. Yeah. Well, in Tampa as a team, was their defense was terrible too. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Ba to me hasn't done anything. Like I'm kind of like, you know, I'm like, eh. Yeah. He's won one playoff game. Sean McDermott's won one playoff game. You know, I'm like. How many playoff games Matt Lafleur won? One. So I. Yeah, all of them are newbies. I mean, I think what's also very like funny to look at is just the quarterbacks left in the playoffs. Because on the NFC side, you have potentially the best three quarterbacks in NFL history, right? Yeah, in NFL history. Yeah, you have Tom Brady, you have Drew Brees, and then you have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and then on the other side, you literally have three of the youngest quarterbacks yeah. that have played in an AFC with those three left. And you do have – Well, and Baker's four. Uh, yeah. All of them are young. They're all under the age of 25. Yeah. Now you also have a Super Bowl champion in Pat Mahomes. You have Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes who both won an MVP recently. Yeah. So it's like new – to me, it's just funny to look at the two – the NFC and AFC and say you literally have the oldest era of quarterbacks, some of the most traditional quarterbacks ever – all over the age of 36 and all going into Hall of Fame, no question. And then you have these newbies on the other side. Yeah. It's kind of a funny yeah. dynamic. It is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The, that is an interesting point that you bring up about the coaches list, though. Because, like, according to my list, I would have to put Peyton second. Because the way I, I think of coaches, I don't just think of them in the moment. I think of them you think with of their history and their – accolades and their track record but yeah i think in once you get into the playoffs this reminds me of like what everybody says about basketball like oh you talk about three-point percentages and all this stuff but when you come when it comes to the finals none of that matters because that was 70 yeah. games worth of stats in six games it doesn't matter yeah. and i feel that way a little bit about a playoff situation is like their their track record doesn't matter as much with three games to win for a Super Bowl, the rest of that goes out the window. Yeah. So it's true. like, which one of them matches up better with the other? Yeah, that's true. I Yeah, I can't. It's just hard to say. Like, I do like McDermott. I don't like him this weekend against. Oh, no, Harbaugh's in there. I know. Well, I forgot about Harbaugh. <sighs> Who would I put if Harbaugh or Peyton in front? I'd probably put Peyton in front of Harbaugh. Then i put Harbaugh. Then i put McVay. Then i put McDermott. Well, Harbaugh has a better playoff record than it's ten and seven and and or eleven and seven now, and uh, Peyton's nine and seven. So yeah, he does. Both have both have Super Bowls. Super Bowls. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I you have to. Gosh, that's a it's a tough list. That's a tough list. That is. I was thinking about it yesterday, and I'm like, I don't know how I would want to. Like, if I got to pick one, it would always be Andy Reid. But then after that, it's like, who's next? It's yeah. a toss up. And honestly, everybody it could comes argue down to a matchup really yeah. then. Which one? Who are they playing against? And then pick which yeah. which coach you like against the other. Yeah, I mean, if McDermott wins this weekend, man, that'll be huge for him. That'll be huge to get to a conference title in his fourth year. Well, what if? What about Stefanski? Oh, Stefanski wins over him. Andy Reid. Yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah, yes, yeah, good, good for Stefanski. Yeah, but anyway, thanks for joining us, Justice. That was fun. This is James Montgomery, and this was The Stinger.